Welcome to the Adventure Church Podcast. For more information about Adventure Church, please visit our website at adventurechurch.tv. Now prepare your hearts for a message from God's Word. Last week, Jake did a, a great job, didn't he? Did Jake do a great job preaching last week? Man, I uh, was so excited about that. But we kicked off a brand new series called Viral. And uh, the goal of this series is we're kind of covering the values of our church and what we would like to see happen in our church, what we would like to see be contagious in our church, that we would like to see Adventure Church be known for. But how many of you know, like, kids change a lot of things, right? They just change a lot of things. Those of you who have kids, if you don't, when you have kids, they change everything. And for me, I used to never get sick. Was anyone else like that? I would never get sick. I mean, it would be rare if I got a cold throughout the year, just one thing, never had the flu. Like, I went, like, like 10 years without ever, like, throwing up. Like, I just didn't get sick, primarily because I wasn't around kids, right? But then I had two kids, and they come to church here with your kids, who are with other kids throughout the week, and now I get sick all the time. I went like 10 years without throwing up. Since I've had kids, I've thrown up like six times. I've had the flu. This year alone, I've had the two different colds. I had tonsil eye. I just had, I've had all these viruses that, that no matter what I do, no matter how many vitamins I take, right, no matter how much, you know, the, the airborne I pop before I fly, I'm still just getting sick. And that's because viruses are highly contagious, right? That's why we've called the series Viral. We want our church, we want the values of God, we want the mission and vision that he has for our church to go viral in our community. We want it to spread. And that happens with you and me. We want what happens on the inside of here in your life to get out, to be contagious. We want to be contagious in everything that we do. First Thessalonians 1.8 says this, it says, And now the word of the Lord is ringing out from you to people everywhere even beyond Macedonia and Achaia, for wherever you go, we find people telling us about your faith in God. Paul's talking to some churches that he planted here. And the church in, in uh, Thessalon- Thessalonica is how you say that. The church there, he's writing to them and he's traveling around to these other churches that he's planted. And he goes, everywhere I go, every stop along the way, these other Christians and these other people are telling us about what's happening in your church. And even though these were very new Christians, that they were new in their walk with the Lord, they were examples of what faith and loved look like. It said along the way that he found all these people that all of them, everywhere that he went, that the, the love of the Lord, the word of the Lord was ringing out from them. I love how he phrases that there. That's what I want our church to be like. I want what happens here. I want what happens in your life, what God is doing in you to ring out from your life. So that when people come in contact with you, when they find you and and you talk to them at work and you run into them at the grocery store, that they go, man, there's something different about you. God's doing something in their life and we want the word to get out. So how do we do this? And today we're going to talk about how we can go viral in our love. How we can go viral in our love for people. How many of you used to hate when you were little When your parents, you would want something from your parents, you'd want to go somewhere, you'd want money primarily, right? And your parents would just say, no, right? With no explanation, right? Just say, no, not going to do it. You go, what would you ask? Why? Why not? They would just say, 
no, I, you know, no explanation. And then finally, after you ask like five or six times, it would get to the final thing, and it's just, because I said so, right? I used to hate that as a kid, but I love that as a parent, right? I love that. I just look at Riley, wh- why can't I do that, Dad? Because I said so. Because I'm the boss. Because you are, you know, three, and you're not in charge. And I rule this house. This is my domain. It's my domain! Because I said, right, I just get, I don't really do that, but, but I, I want to do that because I said so. It's a nice thing when you're in charge, when you're the authority, when you demand something from your kids. You can't do that with your wife. It doesn't work as well, right? Try that many times, you know. It just, it just doesn't work as well for me. Both the kids, it works really good. But how many of you know there's just some things when you're a kid that when it comes to your parents, they're just, it's not up for debate, Right? You know, your kid can't go outside by themselves. Riley would love to just wander the streets of our neighborhood by ourselves. And she would go, why, Daddy? And then finally I'd say, because someone will steal you and you'll never see us again. You know, then she, she kind of gets it. But I just say, be, be, because I said so. There's just some non-negotiables. And really when it comes to that way with Jesus, that there's some things in his word that are just non-negotiables. That he says, if you're a follower of mine, If you claim to be a Christian, and if you're not here today, man, we would love uh, to extend that opportunity to you here in a little bit. But if if you're following Christ, if you say, hey, Kyle, I'm following him, there's some things that he gives us in his word that are non-negotiables. And one of those things is, is to extend his love to people, that the love of God should be an overflow in our life to those that we come in contact with, that it should be a viral thing, that people go, there's something different. There's something about you that I want to catch. A lot of times you can tell what people are all about from what they talk about. You know, prior to last night, many of you, you talk Ohio State football all the time, right? You talk something all the time. When you're at work, you, you, you run into your coworker, there's something you talk about. For me, obviously, you get to hear me every Sunday. I talk a lot about my kids, right? Because they rule my life. You know, they've taken control, right? So I share a lot about them. They, they demand a lot of our time and, and energy. And so I talk about them a lot because that's, that's the most meaningful thing in our life. And we can tell a lot about what Jesus was about from what he talked about. Today we're going to look at some scripture of really why Jesus said this is why he came. This was his whole purpose in coming to this world. And in uh, Mark chapter 2, verse 17, the Pharisees were always after Jesus, right? The religious people who didn't like Jesus, you know, hanging with sinners and, and tax collectors and all these people who, who they would consider not to be worthy of, of God's time. And Jesus always found himself hanging out with these people. And they were upset because he was hanging out with Matthew, the tax collector. He was eating with them, these sinners. And so Jesus responds to them. He says this, when Jesus heard these Pharisees grumbling about him hanging with, with sinners. He said, healthy people don't need a doctor. He said, sick people do. He said, I have come. So Jesus right there, he's telling everyone, I have come not to those who think they are righteous, but to those who know they are sinners. Again, Jesus was hanging out with another guy who Jake talked about last week, Zacchaeus. The little guy, the, he was another tax collector. And when you think about tax collectors, one, we don't like the IRS because we don't like paying them. But most of the time, they don't cheat us out of money. Tax collectors in these days work for the Roman government. And so they just kind of got sent to an area that they were kind of in, in control of. And there was no regulations on it. So although the tax percentage would be a certain amount, they would go, hey, yeah, your taxes is 15%. But today I'm going to charge you 25%. I want 25% of your money. 
And they had no choice but to do it because they had the authority to throw them in jail or get rid of them. And so Jesus was hanging out with these guys who was robbing all of these people of their money. And so in, in his response again to them, when they said, why are you hanging out with this guy? In Luke 19.10, Jesus said, for the Son of Man came to seek and save those who were lost. So Jesus says, look, I didn't come for the people who, who didn't, didn't want me, or the righteous people, the religious people of that time. He said, I came for the sinners. I came for the lost people. And finally, in Luke 15, 1 through 7, in the message is the story of the lost sheep. And Jesus, again, was telling a, a parable. He says, suppose one of you had 100 sheep and you lost one. Wouldn't you leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the lost one until you found it? That was the job of a shepherd. You would never leave a sheep behind. And when you found it, you could be sure that you would put it across your shoulders rejoicing when you got home, calling your friends and neighbors saying, celebrate with me, I found my lost sheep. Count on it. There's more joy in heaven over one sinner's rescued life than over 99 good people in no need of rescue. You know, at Adventure Church, we are a part of a, we're, we're a growing church, we're a plant. Uh, I've shared this with you before, the growth that we've had in our first year kind of puts us in the top tier of church growth in our, in our country. Most churches are either stagnant, 80% of churches are either stagnant, which means they're just staying the same, or they're actually in decline. They're losing people. There's, there's churches closing their doors every week in our country, declining because of that. And so a lot of times, uh, other pastors don't like it when other churches succeed. And I'm not like that. I celebrate any church. There's a brand new church that's launching today in North Lewis Center and Heritage Elementary Church. I've met with the pastor. I've been praying for them. I'm excited for them. Their very first service is today. And I'm going, man, that's awesome. You're going to reach a whole different group of people. We need more churches that are, that are reaching our community. We partner together. But a lot of churches don't like that. And sometimes we will, uh, through our social media, put out things that are happening in our church. We'll say like, hey, today five people made a commitment to Jesus. And I'll get replies sometimes from people and go, you know, why are you always, you know, advertising the numbers that you have and, and how many people were in your service? And I go, well, I celebrate numbers because Jesus celebrated numbers. Because the Bible says, right, you guys getting the story there where he says 99, that, that's a number, isn't it, 99? And then he says, all of heaven rejoices over one, person who comes back. So two weeks ago, when we had our friends and family day and five people said, hey, I wanna come home, Jesus. I wanna give my life back to you. So we put out a stat saying, we're gonna celebrate that. Why? Because all of heaven did. That's why we celebrate it. That's why we get excited. Jesus was about numbers. Why was he about numbers? Not because of numbers sake, not because we can say, oh, hey, look at the numbers. No, because that re number represents a person. And that person has a story, and that story matters to God. And God died for that person, and he has a plan and purpose for their life, and that's the whole reason that our church exists, is to let people know that God loves you just as you are. You can come in these doors no matter what baggage you carry in, and God accepts you just as you are. And when you make a decision to say, I want God in my life, we are gonna support you and celebrate that because all of heaven does. That's why we get excited about it. So I tell those pastors, and I tell those people who may attack, and the, and the larger your church grows, the more critics you have. It's just part of the territory. But I say, we celebrate people because Jesus does. We celebrate life change because that's what Jesus was about. And so today, we can see, well, from what Jesus talked about, what he was about. He said himself, the reason I came was for those who were lost. 
those who are away from me, those who haven't discovered the life I created them to live, those who haven't found the forgiveness and love and the acceptance that I offer through my sacrifice on the cross. That's why he came, that's why he exists, and that's why he tells us that our love from him through us to the world has to go viral. It's not an option. It's because he said so. If you are a follower of mine, the love I've given to you should be extended out to all of those that you come in contact with. In Luke 29, Jesus was just a little boy and he got lost at the temple. He was there at the temple. He wasn't lost. He knew what was going on, but his parents couldn't find him. You've been there before. Your kid kind of slips away from you. You have a panic attack for a few minutes. You find them. Everything kind of calms back down. Well, they were looking for him. And when they found him, Jesus looks at his parents and he goes, hey, look, I was at the temple. He said, I got to be about my father's business, right? That's when the, the parents probably said, no, Jesus, you will not be about your father's business. You'll be about my business. Because although he was fully God, he was fully human. So his parents still treated him like a kid. Can you imagine where Jesus could have said, I could make you disappear, you know? And he, but he just responded to him and said, I need to be about my father's business. And we need to be about our father's business. That's the, the final step in our walk with God. Look, you need to... There, there, there's a growth pattern, you know, where we begin to walk with Jesus. And the Bible describes us as, as kind of like baby Christians, and, and we kind of start out. But as, as babies grow and develop, so should we in our walk with God. And the final place that we need to get is that, hey, I, yeah, Kyle, I'm coming to church, man. I'm serving, man. These are big changes for me. They're big steps for me. But the final step for all of us is to then share what God is doing in our life, to get that word out to other people. So if we are going to go viral in what we do, here's the thing that we have to realize. We gotta become like fishermen. How many of you like to fish? Any of you? I know there's one guy here who, who really loves to fish. I told him yesterday, I said, hey man, I think you're gonna like today's message because I'm talking about fishing. But Jesus compares going viral in our love to, to fishing. And actually the, the first disciples that he called to follow him to take on his mission of changing the world, of getting the word out about what he did, were actually fishermen. And in Matthew chapter four, verses 18 through 22, it says this, one day Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee. He saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter, and Andrew, throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. Jesus called to them, he said, come and follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. A little farther up the shore, he saw two other brothers, James and John, sitting in a boat with their father, Zebedee, repairing their nets. He called to them and said, come too. And they immediately followed him, leaving their boat and their father behind. I could preach a whole message on that. But today I want to show you that Jesus called them. They were fishermen. And he said, but here's the deal. No longer are you going to fish for fish. I'm going to teach you how to fish for people. And here's the thing. If we are going to be If we're going to be a church that reaches people, that we take on the mission of Jesus, we have to learn to fish. How many of you are excited about fishing today, right? You're going to go home and watch Bassmasters on ESPN 20, right? Because that's where it's at usually. It's like ESPN 20. Uh, And so there's some tools, though, if you're going to go fishing, that you have to have. If our church is going to be a fishing church Fishing for people kind of church, there needs to be a few things that we have. And the first tool that we need, first of all, is fishermen or fisherwomen, whatever you want to say. We need people who are willing to fish. The first four disciples ever called to, to serve and follow Jesus were fishermen. Why? I think that it could be Jesus saw something in fishermen that he knew he was going to need if the mission of God was going to be successful. 
And, but here's the thing. I, I actually really enjoy fishing. Does anyone else? Come on. No, I didn't see a lot of hands. How many of you really enjoy fishing? You go, hey, look, I enjoy being out on the water. I enjoy throwing a line in. But, I, but I'm going to admit, I'm going to be honest with you today. Is that okay? Can I just be honest with you? I'm kind of like a girl. Don't take any offense to this girl. When it comes to fishing, right? Especially with real bait, right? If you're using like, like I've gone with people before and they're like, hey, we're using minnows today. I'm like, oh, minnows? You mean I got to stick the hook through the back of its tail and like put it out there? I got to put a worm on. And I'm actually okay with the worm part. But when I catch a fish, I'm always a little scared to take it off the hook. I just am. You know, I get a big bass. I'm kind of like letting it flop on the ground. And most of the time, depending who I'm with, if I'm really close with them and they kind of know I have this fear, if I'm not trying to be cool in front of them, I just like hold my pool up and I just take it over to them like, Hey, dude, can you get that off for me? And I want to keep fishing, you know? And a lot of times my brother-in-law will stick his thumb in there and get the hook out, you know? And so, you know, Tyler, one of our guys who's here at the church, has said, hey, I'll go fishing. He fishes tournaments and stuff. And I said, hey, man, you just need to know, like, you're going to have to take off all my fish, right? You know, unless I catch a big one, you know, I want to get my picture with it first, you know? But, but, but I'm just kind of like a girl when it comes to it. And, and really why is because fishing is kind of hard work, right? It's kind of dirty, it's kind of like gross to, to catch it. And I always, you know, whenever I go home after I fish, you can smell it for a couple of days, right? I use like Comet and I'm like scrubbing my hands with Comet. It's like, man, I still smell that fish on my hands. There's just a distinct smell and it's, it's expensive sometimes to do it. And, and it's just, it's, it's dirty. It's, it's tough work to be a fisherman, especially when you think about like the fishing shows like Deadliest Catch. Where these dudes are out like on rough waters, like throwing huge cages into the ocean. You know, like every year people die fishing on these boats. It's rough, hard work in in rough environment and climates. And today I want to tell you this. The reason why a lot of people who follow God don't ever share the love of God with other people, don't really ever go after people the way that Jesus tells us that we should is because it's tough work. It's not easy. Jesus didn't say it was going to be easy. These men left everything. He said, follow me. It says he left his father. They left their profession. They left everything they knew and followed after God. And it's tough work to do it sometimes. To give your life fully to God. To become complete in him to where the love of God is now flowing through you. It's not just a thing on Sunday morning where you fill your tank up enough to make it through the week. And by the time you get here on Sunday, you're running on fumes and you just get filled up again. We have to mature and grow in our walk with God to where every day when you go into the office, when you go to the grocery store, when you're at soccer practice, that the love of God can overflow out of your life. That it can affect and infect the people around you, that it becomes contagious in the way that you live. The thing that we have to realize when we follow after Jesus is that followers of Jesus must fish for people. It's because he said so. It's a non-negotiable. He says, here's the deal, because I've extended grace and mercy to you. I don't deserve the love of God. I don't deserve the forgiveness he's offered me. I've done some things I'm so ashamed of and embarrassed of, but God forgives me and loves me and still uses me to make a difference in the world. I don't deserve that. And because he's extended that grace and mercy to me, he says, the only thing I ask, Kyle, for you to get that kind of love from me is that you give it away to other people too. That you tell other people about what I've done for you. That I've changed your life. That I've made an impact in your family. God wants us to do that. And the number one goal of all Christians and churches is should be people who fish for people. Why? Because Jesus said so. He said so. So we need men and women who aren't afraid to bait the hook, to get out in the boat, to get a little dirty, 
to come home a little stinky because it's tough work reaching people. People have a lot of issues. They have a lot of things that they're going through. When you open that door and you extend that love, it's gonna mean it's gonna cost you something. It's gonna take some of your time. It's gonna take a commitment. But this community, we need all hands on deck. We need all hands on deck to say, hey, we're gonna make a difference. Why? Because people need God. They need Jesus. They're looking for the answer. And the reality is, is this, is that when you've been found, we've all were lost, we've been found, the, 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 the number one hymn of all time, Amazing Grace, says, I was lost, but now I'm found. And when you've been found, the Bible says that found people find people. That found people find people. When you've been rescued, rescued people, then rescue people. When someone just pulled you up out of the water onto the boat, it's our obligation to turn around and start pulling others in with us. How selfish would it be if someone rescued us, that God rescued us, we experience the love of God, and then we just walk over and sit on the deck on the boat and do nothing. Found people should find people. Rescued people should be compelled to say, I'm gonna pull as many out of the water as I can because someone reached out to me, because someone extended an invitation to me, someone invited me to church, someone shared the gospel with me, so now I have an opportunity and a responsibility to do the same thing. If we're going to be fishermen, we got to be willing to fish. we got to be willing to get dirty. The second thing, the second tool that we need is a fishing boat. We need a boat. I like to fish, but you catch a lot more fish when you have a boat. When you can get out in the water and go to places where you can catch more fish. So we got to be willing to get out of the shore a little bit. And if we're going to be good fishermen, if we're going to be a church that really catches fish and reaches people, we need a boat. And God, for whatever reason, has used boats throughout Scripture to, to reach people. Remember Noah and the ark, right? The ark, the boat, saved humanity. And for us, the church are like modern-day arks for people where we can help them, where we can pull them out of the water and help them realize who Christ is. I love cruises. Anybody else love going on cruises? I mean, I, 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 mean, I love them. Jess and I, we got married. We went on one for our honeymoon. We went on one for our one year. We went on one for our two year. And then we had kids. And we haven't been on one since, right? <laughs> if you're else like that, you know, hey, I had kids. Now I can't do anything, right? And so, and so we loved cruises. Why, but why did I love cruises? Is because I could be the most selfish, lazy person in the world and they were gonna take care of my every need, right? Every need. Like I would intentionally like make our room messier than it needed to be just because I knew someone was gonna clean it up when I went to breakfast, right? I don't even know how those guys did that. You like leave your room for 10 minutes and you come back and it's like spotless. You're like, how did they do that, right? You come in at night, they got little animals made out of towels for you, right? I would just use towels because I could use them. I'd brush my teeth, I'd wash off one, wash my hands, I'd grab another towel. I would just pile them up in the corner. I'd say, hey, I'm gonna come back after lunch. It's all gonna be clean. Life is great, right? Everywhere you go, you can eat. In the middle of the night, you can wake up at two in the morning and be like, I feel like having some pizza. I'm not really hungry, but hey, I can order it and it's free so hey bring me some pizza right I'd order we'd order breakfast in the morning sometimes I would order way more than I ever intended to eat just because I could I felt like I'd get my money's worth if I did that right yeah I'd like three cheeseburgers three sir you really want three you're the only one in your room I want three and I'm gonna leave two on the tray for you when you come back right because you're gonna clean up after me when I'm done eating I just set my little tray outside the door and then I come back and it's gone we love cruises 
Why I love cruises is because I don't have to do anything. I'm waited on hand and foot. People just take care of me. I never have to think about anything. My cell phone's turned off. It's a, it's a wonderful thing. Someday, I will get to do that again. But how many of you know that the church was never meant to be a cruise ship? A lot of people think that. They think, the, cru- the church is a cruise ship. I come, someone greets me at the door, they hand me a cup of coffee, get a nice seat, air conditioning, some good music, pastor's funny sometimes, go out in my car, they say goodbye to me, and it's wonderful. Kind of get waited on. I'm kind of getting served here. And although we want this to be a good experience, and we, do, we, we work really hard to, to set an environment where you can connect and worship with God, the church was never meant to be a cruise boat. It was meant to be a fishing boat. And there's a big difference between a cruise boat and a fishing boat. Cruise boat's main purpose is to entertain those on board. Very few work while everyone else sits on their rear ends and gets served. Happiest moment is when everyone's just entertained and full and it's a beautiful thing. That's what cruises are meant to do. And there's, it's nice to go on one, but then you have to come back to reality, right? The church was never intended to be that. A fishing boat's main purpose is what? To catch fish. To reach people. On a fishing boat, everyone works. Everyone. There's no option. If you're a deckhand, and the captain says all hands on deck, you're on deck. It doesn't matter if it's cold and it's rainy and it's windy. You're pulling things, the deadliest catch. They're pulling crates, middle of the night. They sleep hardly at all. They're on the boat for months at a time. Fishing boats, everyone works. The happiest moment on a fishing boat is when they catch the fish, right? They pull those cages in, deadliest catch, and they're full of crab or full of fish. They're like, I mean, those guys celebrate. They're going, dude, we're getting paid, right? They're, they're pumped up. The church should be a fishing boat where people come in here. And, and how do they get in here is because you've been fishing for them all week. Because you've been extending an invitation. Because you've been, you've been loving on them. You've been intentionally going to your neighbor's house. You've been fishing for people and you invite them to the boat. So you gotta come on the boat with me. Why do we invite them on the boat? Not because I'm good or the music's good, none of those things. We invite them on the boat because Jesus is here. Jesus is on the boat, and Jesus is the one who can change their life forever. It's never meant to be a cruise ship. It's meant to be a fishing boat. Jesus himself said that the the sick are the ones who need a doctor. The healthy people don't need a doctor. The church was always meant to be a hospital for the sick, not a country club for the healthy. People ask me all the time as a church plan, like, hey, how do you become a member of your church? I say, you just gotta show up, you gotta serve, you gotta be a part of the community, you gotta be willing to give. That's how you become a member here. We don't have membership, and we'll never call it membership. We'll call it ownership, is what we'll call it when we launch that, and we will at some point. We'll call it ownership, because owners have a stake in it. Owners say, hey, I'm not here to be, so I'm not a member, and I'm not coming here to receive things. I own part of this church because of what I've given to it, because of what I've invested in it. Jesus, again, he said, healthy people don't need a doctor, the sick do. A lot of people don't know how to get to the hospital. They don't have the directions. They don't know where it's at. You ever been that way before, trying to find something, you don't know where you're going? A lot of people are, they call them lost. Jesus used that illustration for a reason. He said they're, they're lost people. 
They don't know where they're going. They need someone to fish for them. They need someone to give them instruction. So how do we do that? How do we do that? The last tool that you need is bait, right? Got to have a fishing boat. You got to have fishing bait. And the truth is, is it takes bait to catch fish, right? You ever been there before where you've thrown a bobber out, weren't paying attention? Some fish robbed your worm, right? You didn't even know it. You're sitting there, sitting there. Man, something must be wrong. 15 minutes later, you reel the line in, pull it up, no bait on the hook. Man, I just wasted 15 minutes. Rebait the hook, right? And as a church, a lot of times, you know, again, the churches usually that, that I gotta be careful here because I'm not, we collaborate, we partner with churches. But again, I've taken some shots since we've started our church a little bit. And a lot of the times the shots are coming from people who, who don't do church the way we do. And they say, well, you don't, you don't need to use bait to catch fish. You don't need to use gimmicks. You don't need, God said he'll build his church. And they say things like that. And you go, well, yeah, but he said that he was going to use us to build his church, that he was going to use people to build his church, and that, that these things aren't gimmicks that we do when we do Friends and Family Day, when, when we do things like that. These, it's bait that we're trying to get people into the, the house because a lot of people, you know, fish don't want to be caught a lot of times, Right? They don't want to be caught. They don't know that. And so we need to use things and tools that God has given us to reach people. And the bait that we have as Christ followers, the, the bait, the thing that we got to put on the hook that is going to attract the fish the best way is love. It's love. You bait your hook with love. That's what attracts people. The Bible says that it's his kindness that leads us to repentance, not his anger not his judgment, not condemnation. He says it's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. You know why most people don't, don't want to come to church? You know why most people are never caught? Is because we're using the wrong bait. A lot of churches, instead of extending the love of God, extend the judgment of God. We've all seen them, right? A guy on campus with his bullhorn. It's a good bait, isn't it? It works really good. You're going to hell. You're a sinner. Judgment is coming. God's wrath is gonna kill you. Hey, sign me up, man. Can I come? Can I go to your church? That'd be awesome. What church do you go to, buddy? Nice to meet you. How's it been working for you today? Get some Hokies to join last night? You know, like, people do that though, right? Have you, am I the only one that's seen that guy down there? Right? You've seen him. We use the wrong bait. Jesus didn't use judgment. He didn't use condemnation, right? Who did he hang out with that we saw in the beginning? Sick people, sinners. What did he extend to them? Love, mercy, forgiveness, kindness. The bait that God has given us, the bait that he's given our church, if we're gonna win this community, if we're gonna win this nation and go throughout the world, if it's gonna go viral, has to be love. Jesus used bait. He he fed people who were hungry. He healed people who were, were sick. He hung out with the outcast of society and extended love to them. He used the most 
unordinary people to do extraordinary things for him. That's how he works. That's what he wants. And Jesus said in John 13, 35, he said, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. He didn't say your stance on abortion would prove to the world that you're my disciples. He didn't say your political party will prove to the world that you're my disciples. He didn't say if you watch Duck Dynasty, it'll prove to the world that you're my disciple. He didn't say that, right? He said, your love for one another will prove to the world that you're my disciples, that you've chosen to follow me. How we fish for people is with love, with mercy. Too often the church is known more for what it's against than what it's for. We need to be a church. We need to be people of God who are known for what we're for. The love of God, the kindness of God leads us to repentance. Our bait is love. But why do people not like to use that bait? Because it's the most expensive one. It's expensive. When you really love someone, when you really reach out to someone with the love of God, it's gonna cost you something. That's why most Christians don't do it. It's gonna cost you something. When you really plug into a community, to a church plant, you're gonna have to work. We're gonna call for all hands on deck a lot. We need people in nursery. When we had 250 people here for Friends Day, we had 75 kids elementary age and under. 75. There's people back there right now, hands on deck with your kids so you can be in here. It takes time, it takes energy to get the boat ready. It takes people who are willing to get dirty to fish for people. And Jesus said in John 14, 15, he said, if you love me, you will obey my command. And his command was for all of us to go viral in the way that we love people. But most churches expect the fish just to jump in the boat, cleaned and gutted already. That's what they expect. The doors are open, come on in. That's what we expect, we just, they're just gonna come. It's the field of dreams. If you build it, they will come. No. If you build it, (laughs) if you go out and you fish, they will come. And when they come, we're going to do our very best that we can to present Jesus in a way that they will understand it, that it will make sense, and they will say, man, I want that. I'll sign up for that. I'll sign up for people. I'll join a community like that because those people are willing to love me. Those people are willing to accept me. That's what people are looking for, that they're longing for. And that's why, man, that's why we gotta be willing to go fishing. That's why we have to be willing to follow Jesus and his commands to love people because they're not just gonna jump in the boat on their own. They're gonna need someone to invite them, to love them. And people all around us are living in the dark, living in sin, looking for light, looking for a glimmer of hope in their day. And Jesus said, man, you are the light of the world. You're the love that he gives us. That's the light. That's the energy. That's the light bulb that we got. It's his love. And when he says, when you truly understand the love that I've extended to you, you have no choice but to pull people in with you. It compels you. When you realize what Jesus did for you, when you realize the, the sin and the mistakes, and he says, I forgive you every day. Every morning's brand new, clean slate. 
you get a, you get a do-over every day with me. That's the kind of love I offer. That's the kind of grace I offer. And he says we should then be compelled to extend that to everyone else. The band's going to come and close out today. But I think sometimes we forget how much people are looking for the love of God, that they're looking for the hope of God. And it's our responsibility, it's our opportunity that we have to partner with God to reach people for Him. I love this quote by C.S. Lewis. He said, if you read history, you will find that the Christians who did the most for the present world were precisely those who thought most of the next. It is since Christians have largely ceased to think of the other world, heaven, eternity, that they have become so ineffective in this world. The reality is this, and it's not something we like to preach about a lot. It's not something we like to talk about a lot. But the Bible says that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. That no one comes to the Father. No one can receive forgiveness. No one can experience eternity. No one without accepting the knowledge of Jesus, without receiving the gift. It's free. The grace that we get every day, it's free. But the Bible says, how will they know if no one ever tells them? How will they hear about the love of Jesus if no one ever tells them? And how will they tell them if no one has ever sinned? And today, what I'm challenging this church, our church to be, I'm sending you out. You're being sent today, whether you like it or not. Because this is the deal. This isn't my word. This is Jesus' word. This is his command, not mine. This is his. And so once we receive knowledge and we receive the truth, we have a responsibility to act on it. James says you can't just be hearers of God's word. you got to be doers of God's word. And he says that's real faith. That's a real believer is when the doing becomes a part of every day of your life. When you hear, you apply, and you go and do. The fish aren't in here that need caught. The fish are out there. They're in your neighborhood. They sit across from your cubicle at work. They sit next to you on the soccer field every week. Those are the people. Those are the ones who are waiting for the love of God to invade their life, for a light to come on to say, hey, look, it's not hopeless. I know your marriage is falling apart, but God can help you. I know your kid's sick, but God can help you. I know your teenager is rebelling. God can help you. I know the financial situation seems so bleak. Nothing's ever going to change. God can help you. God has purpose. God has meaning for your life. Would you stand with me today? And as we close out, I wanted to give you an opportunity to just allow God to speak to you. Again, these aren't my words. These are God's words. I'm just the messenger today who's sharing this with you. God's word for us and for me is that I would be a person who's willing to fish, that I'd be a person who's willing to to get on the deck, to get on the boat, to do the hard work, to reach people because people need God. And without him, the promise of eternity is gone. They, They need the love of God. And so we're gonna sing this song today that says that we exist for the sake of the world. And God, would your love burn in me God, would I understand fully who you are so it can overflow out of my life to go viral 
to be contagious, to infect people, that people would see me and say, I want what they got. Would the bait of love be evident in my life? And if it's going to be, if we're going to be people who fish, we got to be willing to make the commitment. we got to be willing to say, God, for the sake of the world, burn inside of me because eternity is on the line for people. So as we sing this song today, would you just in your own time with God, just for a moment, just say, God, I'm going to commit to this. God, would you help me? Ask him for your help. We need his help. Man, I can't love people the way that I need to without God helping me. I don't want to. I can't. I need his help. And so today as as we sing this song, that's what I'm going to say. I'm going to say, God, help me to love people the way that you do. Help me to see them the way that you do. Help me to extend grace the way that you do. Burn within me so that others may see and know your plan for their life. Let's sing this song together.